Welcome to the podcast, The Tao of Christ. This is Marshall Davis. The Tao of Christ is the place to explore an alternative type of Christianity with a decidedly mystic slant. So far on this podcast, I have been reading some of my books. I began by reading my Christian version of the Tao Te Ching, entitled The Tao of Christ. I went on to read from my book, Experiencing God Directly, The Way of Christian Non-Duality. And then at the suggestion of my wife, I took the podcast in a different direction and read my updated version of John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress in a set of episodes entitled The New Pilgrim's Progress. I just finished reading that last time. Today, instead of reading books which can sound rather stilted and formal. I'm going to be more informal and share my thoughts about spirituality more casually. So this is not going to have the feel of a book being read, I hope, but instead it will be me sharing my ideas on spirituality and in particular on Christian non-duality. This is still going to be a monologue for now. Later on I might find a way to connect with listeners, either by answering questions sent to me in writing or actually engaging on in an online dialogue. We're going to have to wait and see about that. That's something down the road. For the time being, it's going to be just me talking, not preaching, just talking about my awareness of the spirit that I call Christian non-duality. Now, Christian non-duality is not a term that is well-known in Christian circles. Probably the best-known Christian who talks about this is the Franciscan friar Richard Rohr. Strangely enough, until recently, I had heard or read very little of what he had to say. I knew about him, but that's about it. I have, though, just started reading his book, The Universal Christ, recently, and I just started a few days ago getting his daily meditations by email, so I'm just starting now to get familiar with him. But my approach is different than his, and my approach became established before I ever heard of him. First, I guess I need to define the term non-duality. Different people mean different things by it, so it's important that listeners know what I mean by it. For me, it is equivalent to what the great Anglican historian Evelyn Underhill identified as the unitive life. In her book on mysticism, which I first read back in the 1960s and early 70s as an undergraduate religion major, she makes it clear that this experience of union with God is a core part of the Christian faith, and that it goes back to the beginnings of Christianity. Christianity was never without this dimension. Now, the the Eastern Church, I mean the Eastern Orthodox Church, preserved it perhaps better than than the Western Church, but it has been present in both branches of Christianity. It's even present in Protestantism, although not as much, because rationalism has seemed to prevailed in the Protestant branch of Christianity. In any case, when I talk about non-dual Christianity or Christian non-dualism, I'm not talking about something foreign to Christianity. I'm not importing some type of Eastern religious mysticism into Christianity. In fact, I think non-dualism is the heart of Christianity. But somehow the church has forgotten it and therefore has become heartless. This is especially true of conservative, evangelical, and fundamentalist forms of Christianity. The exception 
is Richard Foster, who came from a Quaker background. He wrote books on the contemplative life and spiritual disciplines back in the 1960s and was at that time embraced by evangelicals for a time. And I have used his books in study groups and evangelical churches that I have pastored over the decades. But unfortunately, evangelicalism has moved in a different direction in the last few decades and has been, in my opinion, hijacked by fundamentalists who see spiritual disciplines and the contemplative life and the the mystical aspect of Christianity as dangerous heresies. Now, to get back to my definition of non-duality, for me, it means the awareness of our essential union with God. No, it's not a theology, it's not a philosophy, it's not a worldview, it is experiential in nature. It is the constant awareness of my life. As I talk about it further in other episodes, I'll make it clear that it's not even an experience. It's more basic than that. It has to do more with intuition and a, a deep consciousness of the divine. Non-duality is the same as oneness in my vocabulary, but the word non-dual is slightly better than oneness because oneness implies two-ness and three-ness. You know, unity implies disunity or duality. Non-dual makes it clear that there is no two to be distinguished from one. The two and the three and the 10,000 things, as the Chi- as Chinese philosophy puts it, are all included in one. Reality is one. There is only one. And that one is what we call God. I want to make it clear I'm not presenting a form of monism or pantheism. Those are philosophies. And I am not advocating a philosophy. I'm talking about spiritual awareness of union with God, in which we as individuals cease to exist. If you want to understand it as a mystical experience, all right, you can think of it in that ways. If that label helps you to put a handle on it, but it is deeper than experience. You know, experiences come and go. What I'm talking about does not come and go. What I'm talking about is the substratum of all experiences. It is the divine space in which all experiences appear. In fact, it's a space in which the universe appears. This unitive awareness is self-authenticating. It is what Jesus meant when he said, I and the Father are one. He was not making a Christological statement for theologians to unpack. He was describing his awareness of the divine, whom he called Father. Because Christian non-duality is not a theology or a philosophy, it is therefore compatible with Christian religion and theology and even Christian philosophy. You can be a very theological Christian and know this union with God that I'm talking about. Now, until recently, I would have called myself an evangelical. I don't use that term much these days to describe myself because the meaning of that term has changed in American culture and has now become equivalent in most people's minds to Christian fundamentalism 
and the religious right and even Trumpism. And I'm not any of those. So if I use that term evangelical to refer to myself, then I would be immediately misunderstood. And I found that I didn't have to spend a lot of time explaining to people what the original meaning of the term evangelical was and what it what it used to mean just a few decades ago before it was taken over and redefined. For that reason, for clarity's sake, I no longer use the term. But I do use the term Christian. I am unapologetically Christian. For some people, that term also means evangelical. People tend to think I am a literalist or a creationist or something when I call myself a Christian. So I still have some explaining to do to people sometimes, but not as much. I'm a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, not just the historical personage known as Jesus of Nazareth, but the living Christ, the risen Christ, the Christ who is the Word before the man Jesus was born, the cosmic Christ, the universal Christ. Before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said. Non-dualism, as I use the term, is not inconsistent with being a Christian. In fact, I would say it is essential to being a Christian. As a Christian, I have a conversion story, just like so many evangelicals have. I have surrendered myself to the Lordship of Christ. The living Christ dwells in me. I could easily use terms like saved and born again, although I also tend not to use those terms much because they have also been redefined and I think hijacked by fundamentalists. They no longer mean what those terms meant in scripture. But I have no quarrel with traditional Christian doctrine. I can see all Christian doctrines as pointing to union with God. So I try not to argue about theology or doctrine, because I think that's pointless. They are just ideas in the mind, have nothing to do with the spiritual reality of Christ and the kingdom of God, except to point us toward that kingdom. I can repeat the Apostles' Creed during a worship service in good conscience, but it is just theology which is just words and ideas, which are a mental way to point us to God. Doctrines are like boats, meant to carry us across the sea of unknowing that separates us from God. They are useful for that purpose, but they are useless when we reach the other shore. Carrying them with us after they have served their purpose It's like passengers carrying a cruise ship across land once it has arrived in port. Once you know that to which the doctrines point, then the doctrines are no longer needed. In fact, they become a hindrance and an unbearable burden that can interfere with our spiritual freedom in Christ. It's like what Jesus said to the Pharisees about their traditions and their rules, the traditions of the elders, he called them, that they bind to their followers' back and make them unbearable burdens. Doctrines are meant to bring us to God. They are a means to an end, not an end in themselves. They are signposts to truth, not truth in themselves. They cannot spiritually satisfy us any more than a printed menu can feed a starving man. Doctrines are poor descriptor, descriptions of truth. 
that bear little resemblance to the reality of truth. When the teaching and propagation of doctrines become an end in themselves, then they are harmful to the spiritual life. They become substitutes for God, mental idols that we worship in place of God. Words and thoughts and doctrines are by nature dualistic. They separate us from what we are talking about. They push the thing we are trying to describe away from us so that we can get a good look at it and examine it and dissect it and try to understand it. In this way, theology, doctrines, dogma by their nature must separate us from God. That includes even ideas and doctrines like the atonement, which is intended to bring us into our relationship with God. So I embrace the doctrines of traditional Christianity, all of them, from the incarnation to the resurrection, but I do not see them as descriptors of truth. I see them as tools to bring a person to truth, into union with God. Now, back again now to what I mean by non-duality. It is union with God. It is union with Christ, who is in union with God. It is union with God's creation, which is the Word of God, according to Genesis 1. It is the dissolution of our self in God. As the Apostle Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's my favorite verse, and I think it expresses the core of the Christian gospel. It is the death of self. As Jesus said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It is to be crucified with Christ. It is to die to self and live to God. If any would come come after me, let him deny himself, Jesus said, and take up his cross and follow me. Non-duality is when we are no longer separate entities alienated from God, but are aware of our essential nature as one with God. This is a birthright for everyone as children of God, especially Christians. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Christians who have believed in Christ all of their lives and gone to church all of their lives, so many of them live their lives unconscious of the spiritual reality. And traditional Christianity seems to reinforce that sense of sinfulness and separateness and duality when it should be proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. Just reach out and touch it. Embrace it. That was Jesus' earliest message. More about that in another episode. For now, this is my understanding of non-duality. This is my non-dual awareness of God and his kingdom. This is enough for this first episode on Christian non-duality. I plan to do quite a few more episodes on this topic, in particular showing how it is spoken about in Scripture and especially in the teachings of Jesus. I hope you will tune in next time for another episode of the Tao of Christ. If you are interested, you can read my blog and you can find a list of my books at my blog site at marshalldavis.us.